0: Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where Grove. one of our core values is Christian education. New Let's Piney tune in Grove. to this week's message. Preface statement. Jeff and I do not co corroborate these things. I allow the Holy Spirit to use him and believe he's going to use me so if a lot of things seem repetitive it's because of the Holy Spirit. But Jeff had brought some interesting things about the Bible and when we put it all together we should come to this conclusion. The Bible is the Christian rule and guide for life. And I want to start today by mentioning five ways every Christian should view the Bible. If you're not a believer, then I don't expect you to view it this way, but I'll kind of talk about you a little later. Five ways that every Christian should view the Bible. Number one, as the inspired word of God. No doubt, no error, as the inspired word of God. Number two, as God's revelation to man. In other words, God reveals himself through the Bible, through the word. Number three, as our flawless rule of faith and conduct. You want to know how you should act as a Christian? You get in the Bible. it also tell you how the world Acts, and we'll get into that later on. Number four, as superior to conscience and reason. Jeff gave a good example by some people uh, love their brothers and others eat them, you know, but, but it's superior to sometimes what you think, what you read. In, in other words, sometimes the word God don't make sense. A good example that is tithing. I don't understand it. I just live it, and I know it's true. But number five, every Christian should view the Bible as our final authority. Final authority. Our English word authority implies the right and the power to enforce. The right and the power to enforce. Sergeant Grace just walked in, he's in uniform. He has a, a, a patch that says he's a part of the Bibb County Law Enforcement. That uniform and that shield he wears shows us he has the right to do something and he got a Glock 40 on his side to enforce it if you don't. But the Greek word is interesting, exousia. Now the reason I want to bring out that Greek word exousia is because we get our word executive from that word. Executive someone who sits in a position of power and authority. But exousia is is, is recorded 32 times in the King James Version of the Bible as authority. Other times it's translated as power, but 32 times it is authority. Now it refers to the source of inspirational influence to govern behavior. Now I want to focus on that to, to, to uh, govern behavior the source of inspirational influence to govern behavior. Now next thing I want to do is there are five sources which influence behavior and we want to say specifically Christian behavior five things that that Influence how we act, in other words. Number one is experience. Number one is experience. When we learn from experience about our behavior, we we oftentimes change or we recognize that we need to change. Number two is intellect. There's something that your intelligence ought to tell you. You shouldn't have to, you know, let's go back to something such as fire. Experience would tell you that fire is hot. And your mind will tell you next time you see it, don't touch it. The, fourth, the third one is tradition. The way things have always been done. We know, we, we know the fire will burning anything else up. Traditionally, it means it will burn us up too. I, I added this one in and I started not to, but it's peers, but it makes sense. Because peers sometimes inference Christian behavior. You have other Christians that may want to do certain things a certain way and we think it's okay because we don't know the word of God. We go by their example. But the fifth one, the fifth one is the Bible. And that's why the Bible is our final authority. Now, sometimes these first four are beneficial as I just said. But for the Christian, the Bible must be, now what did I say? Must be, the final authority. Why? Because it's just so adequately put it. It is the inspired. Or if you look on the mark you and say God breathed. It is the inspired word of God. And our text is going to illustrate this, I think, quite clearly. Second Timothy is Paul's, written by the Apostle Paul, his second letter. Paul founded this church. And the church is in Ephesus. We'll find the book of Ephesians writes to this church. When Paul found that this church, he was on his missionary journey, he had other places to go, so he left a young man by the name of Timothy there who he had mentored to pastor this church. But there were some issues. There were some challenges. The church at Ephesus had a diverse group of people consisting of a lot of young folks and a lot of old folks. Very few were in between. And bridging the gap between those who were traditional and those who preferred the modern was a challenge for young Timothy. To make matters worse, worldly outsiders came into the fellowship claiming, professing to be Christian. undermined this young pastor's authority by teaching doctrine contrary to the word of God. So here he is, young and old, trying to satisfy everybody. Then you got these other people telling me, hey, everything he's telling you ain't necessarily true. So Paul writes to give him some advice. The advice was simple, but it was very profound. It's the same advice that many young pastors and preachers need to adhere to today. Whatever you do, let it be done based upon the Word of God. Every decision you make, the final authority is the Word of God. Now, you join with me because Paul begins his encouragement with these words that start in verse 1 of chapter 3. We're going to spend a lot of time on 2, but this sets it up. Paul said this, This know also, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Paul first reminded Timothy that what he's experienced was nothing new it should not surprise them because this thing had already been foretold. I want you all to stay with me here because a lot of times people have to realize a lot of things that's happening has already been foretold. It's right there in the Bible. The problem is, are you inspired, to just said, to read it? We as God people must filter every event through the Word of God. We need to ask ourselves does the Bible has anything to say about this? Everything that's going on in our society today, what's going on in Washington and in Macon, you need to look at it through the Word of God and say, what does the Bible say about this? When we look at the evening news more than we study our Bible, we may become overly concerned about things that we cannot control. Y'all ready? Because here we go. Verses 2 through 5, chapter 3 of Second Timothy. Try to remember that right now. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, Covetous, boastful, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despise of those that are good, traitors, heady, high minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. And then he said, There's having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such timidity. Turn away. In other words, turn away, put it in that place. Paul addresses an issue of more depravity, of more corrosion. And the cause of this decay is a corrupt viewpoint of the Word of God. Now, I want y'all to bear with me now because Paul lists 19 characteristics. Of a worldly mindset. He said in the last days, this is going to happen. And tell me if you can't see, this is now. Number one, lovers of themselves. And I'm going to give you the the, the essence of these words in the original language. Lovers of themselves. Self-centered. Egotistical. Self-only concerned. Number 2 this. covetous—more than lovers of money, those who are obsessed by money and will do anything to get it and keep it. Three, boastful—bragging on their own ability, which is not factual, of their own ability, which is false. <laughs> Jeff gave an example this morning. Uh, he I'm uh, about being 6'2 and 250 pounds. Now, he was just giving an example of that because he ain't 6'2, not even 200 pounds. But sometimes people would be bragging on themselves about stuff that ain't true. I remember this when I was in the military, this guy, he, he must thought he was good looking because every time a woman looked at him, he would say, she wants me. But if you looked at him, you find out, I mean, he he buy five two and weigh 300 pounds. Don't nobody want him, including his mama. But he had a false sense of what he thought he was. But he was bragging on himself. Now, there's the difference between both and proud. Proud, number four, is believing that you're above others. In other words, you ain't as good as me. Having that attitude, superiority and attitude. And blasphemers, a lot of times we see blaspheme, we always think about it's of God. But listen to this. Blasphemer means using abusive language and insulting words toward others. And a lot of time you don't realize sometimes words that we use toward others are abusive. From you skinny to you fat, both of those words are abusive. Oh, here we go now. Number six, disobedience to parents. This is more than a lack of respect. It's a lack of gratitude for benefits received. I know some of you have heard the record, uh, No Charge. I think it's by uh, Caesar. This is the attitude of a child that think the parents owe them something. And when the pastor gives them something, and when the parents give them something, they ain't grateful. They don't know how to say thank you. And then when that same parent don't work hard, put them through college, they put that parent in a nursing home. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Number seven is unthankful. It means being ungrateful, not appreciated for a gift received. I have discovered something because a lot of times my wife and I are givers. Love giving stuff. There's a difference between thank you and thank you. Some people know the word, but they don't know how to give thanks. Unholy. The Greek word here simply means wicked. It's those who oppose anything that's godly, anything that's sacred oh here we go number nine without natural affection and I use the King James because some of those other translations want to dance around this but here's the it. y'all ready a deviation deviation from normal biological cherished affection a deviation from normal biological cherished affection can I give you an example The love of a mother for her child. The love of a child for a mother. The love of a man for a woman. Or a woman for a man. See, both homosexuality and fornication are sin. But one of them is unnatural. It's natural for a man to be attracted to a woman even if it ain't his. It ain't natural if you're attracted to somebody of the same sex. I don't care if you think it's yours. I'm moving on. Truth makers in number ten. This is someone who's irreconcilable, not willing to make peace or come to an understanding. With anybody, if you say white, they'll say black. Then if you say I agree to black, they'll say no, it's white. False accusers. The Greek word he is slanderous. It is lying on others when you know you saying something by somebody else that's not true. This is you. Incontinent. Incontinent. Now a medical term for those who have weak bladders and can't control their urine but it means without self-control if you ever been guilty of doing something wrong and say I can't help myself that's you fierce number 13 brutal untamed wild and uncivilized you're acting like an animal And a lot of us men want sometimes you act like a dog. You're smelling up on anything. that come by, they wag their tail, and you'll jump on it. You're acting like a dog. This is the word of God, y'all. I know y'all don't like to hear it that way, but that's what we are. Fourteen, despise of those who are good you hear something about somebody that's positive, you always got something negative to say. It's an aggressive hostility toward that person because they are doing what they're supposed to do and you ain't. Heady. You know what? I, I, I missed something here about the, 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 the false accusers. The word that's translated that is diablo. Di- 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 that's the devil. We talked about that in Sunday school. If you got a spirit of lying on folks, you're right in the devil's spirit. And let me go on back down here where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> Number 15, traitors. Treacherous. That's someone who portrays a trust. This is Judas. Someone that's in the midst and you... You, 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 you're, you're being trusted by them and then you portray that trust. Number 16 is heady. And I know y'all gonna say amen because y'all met something like this. Somebody that's headstrong. Impulsive. Reckless. You can't tell them nothing. And they know everything. 17. High-minded. Conceited. Puffed up. Blinded by pride. This is the person that think they're better than a bag of chips and all that stuff. Y'all get the point. Number 18, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. This is materialistic idolatry. You would rather wash your car on a Sunday morning than come to church. Number 19, having a form of godliness but denying the power uh, thereof. This, this thing can be worked into us by thinking of a mannequin. You go in the store and you see them dressed up and all these things, but they ain't got no life. Okay? But it's more than that, it's a dummy. I, I mean, a, a dummy that the ventriloquist works. Somebody sticks their hand in the dummy and all of a sudden the dummy talks. Y'all got that picture? This is what this word is, and, 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 and Paul's going to give us an example here in a minute. Hold on. All these 19, all these vices, how in the world was Paul going to deal with all, I mean, Timothy was going to deal with all these issues of people who had then felt traded to church, calling themselves believers. Timothy gives them two examples to encourage him. First, he gave an example out of the Old Testament. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. I'm reading from the New English Standard Version on this one. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposes the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith, but they will not give it for for their father will be made plain to all, as was those two men what two men? Janice and Jambres. Who in the world is this? These are two men identified by historians as Pharaoh's magicians who opposed Moses when Moses came to Pharaoh, crying out, let my people go, thus said the Lord. It's interesting to note that the plague of Turn the Water to Blood, the Nile River, and the plague of the frogs were duplicated by these men. But then something happened at that third plague of gnats. In Exodus chapter 8, verse 18 through 19, we read the account of Janice and Jambres. The magician tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, thus said the Lord. Now, remember when I talked about a form of godliness? See, these musicians appeared to be in a form that was equal to Moses and Moses God. But when they recognized that they were not equal, to Moses, they knew that their God was not equal to, their, to, to Moses' God. They were just dummies. A form. Satan done put his hand in them and make their mouths move. But then Pharaoh rejected their assessment when they said, this is the thing of God. But he still his heart. He denied the power. He saw the result, but he denied the power. The next example Paul gave to encourage Timothy was something that every Christian should keep in mind. And this is something that you already heard in the commentary. Skip down to verse 12 and 13. This time I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard Bible. Indeed. All who desire to live godly. Whoa! Stop right there, Dave. Wait a minute. Hold it. All who desire to live godly. Now, if you ain't desiring to live godly, this ain't gonna have no effect on you. It applies to you, but it applies as one that's gonna condemn you. See, there are a lot of us that really don't want to live. Oh, it's different between somebody that feel like they can't help themselves. I fall into temptation. But there are a lot of people that simply don't want to live godly. I, I want to be saved, but I don't want to live like a Christian. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. This is the word of God. If you desire to live with God, some things going to happen. Especially for you new believers. When you finally surrender and give your life to God, you're going to face hell the next day, guarantee you. Because you're trying to live with God. And a lot of times you come directly from those that are close to you and family members. He's on to say, but evil men and imposters, those dummies, will proceed from the King James says, worse to worse, but the American, New American Standard said bad to worse. Deceiving and being deceived. they deceive themselves. So the same lie that they believe they're trying to teach you. The bottom line for those that desire to live holy is that persecution may vary in degree. Persecution may take different forms. But opposition and his, his hostility by the word will continue to come. Christians are going to suffer because the world is hostile against the kingdom of God. That's just the fact. Look at verse 13 again. But even men and apostles will proceed from worse to worse or bad to worse. Contrary to what sociologists and psychologists say, Things in this world are not going to get better. Ain't gonna happen. Legislation, government mandates, cannot improve morality. But there's something that can. There's something that can. And that's the word. I look with me at Second Timothy three fifteen. New American Standard Bible again, And from childhood. And remember, he's talking to Timothy to encourage him. You know the sacred writings, which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation here is deliverance. Through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. You know that. It's been in you. And I'll talk to you just like a, for a, pa- a pastor for a minute. Timothy had been taught the word of God from childhood. He was not taught in Sunday school. He was not taught in Bible study by a teacher or a preacher. Timothy was taught at home by his mama and his grandmama. You just go to chapter 1, verse 5. You're going to find two names. Bernice. Eunice, Lois and Eunice. Grandmama and grandmama taught it. Isn't it amazing that parents can teach their children the basic things they need to be successful in life? Even those in the hood We'll teach them how to be streetwise. But when it comes to teaching them about God, we won't leave it up to the church. We won't leave it up to everybody else, but we won't teach them at home. And the reason that they ain't teaching them at home is because they don't know it themselves. That's why we need to get young people back into the church. But it needs to be the fact that when they have their own youngins, they can teach them what they learned in church. Because they ain't coming to church now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Many parents are biblically ignorant when it comes to what the Bible says about them raising their children. Remember, I said you can't go on reason, you can't go on how you feel. You got to go by the word of God when you raise your children. And because many parents are ignorant on the word of God, how to raise children, we got two extremes. Are y'all listening to me? One extreme is that when we over discipline, it's child abuse. But when we under discipline, it's child abuse. That means they ain't got no restraints, no restriction. If the Bible says spare the rod, that's what the Bible says, not me. If your little dog is so cute, so precious to you, that you spare the rod, and when they get in trouble, the first thing you're going to say, he's a good child. He might be a good child, but he didn't have a good parent. Been there. When I was involved in prison ministry, had a young man that was on national news for killing someone. as we began to talk and minister the word of God, he shot me with something. He said, I hate my daddy. I said, Man, you shouldn't feel these. I hate If my daddy had to beat my butt, I wouldn't be here. You mean to tell me he said, Yeah, he did beat me. He should have beat me more. This is not a repeat. I probably had this long ago. Child raising should not be based on feeling the Bible defined authority. Not Dr. Ruth. not Dr. Phil, nor Dr. Oz. why Paul tells in verse 16 all scriptures is inspired by God and is profitable the word profitable means it's advantageous for what for teaching for repute for correction for training in righteousness for purpose for the inspired word of God is listed by Paul here number one teaching or doctrine it means to give how-to instructions how do they do anything and it's best done by example you can't tell them not to lie and you lie number two reproof rebuke. To chase in order to correct. The idea here is to present evidence that will convict. And that includes allowing them to suffer the consequences of their action. Number three. Correct. This Greek word means to straighten out that which is crooked. For those of us that used to work with a hammer and nail, you pull a nail out, the nail sometimes is crooked. You can use that nail again, Harry, if you straighten it out. But how do you straighten that nail out? You got to put that hammer to it. Fred said beat it. But once you straighten that nail out, and you hit it right, It'll go in and hold where it's supposed to hold. The last one, training in righteousness. This is giving them guidance in the ways of God. It is mainly for new babes in Christ and children. You train them early on what's right and what's wrong. And you can't let the TV train them because the TV is not the word of God. Now, 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 what's the benefits of these four? Paul tells us in our last verse. So that the man, generic, or woman, of God may be adequately equipped for every good word. But you ladies and, 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 and that's going back, you too, Brother Grant, my job has been, as well as your parents, to try to equip you for what you're going to face out there. Because you're going to face it. And like me, you're going to fall. You just have to learn that. Dust yourself off. Get back up. For us to become mature believers in Christ Jesus, we must believe, number one, that the Bible is the word of God inspired for rules and guide in all situations and it's our fine authority. So I look back over my life, I've been guilty probably of most of those 19 characteristics. But it was the word of God that changed me. I'm doing uh, a class in Christian counseling and there's a term called euthetic, which comes from the Greek word to admonish. And that's the name of the Christian counseling that they have, euthetic. It involves three phases or three ways to use God's word. Number one, to confront. Number two, concern. And number three, change. My conversion didn't follow exactly like that, but it went like this. Out of love and concern for my salvation, my wife began to parade. And I began to see a change in her life. But I was confronted by the word of God in two watch night services. The first service, I heard a message from John 3, 7 said, you must be born again. A year later, I was overseas at the time, I was coming home, went to another watch night service. Heard another message from Luke 2, 49, doc. It says it's time to get about your father's business. And that should, both of those changed my life. One led me to salvation and one led me to ministry. Everyone here is born into sin. That's the word of God. You were born with that nature. The second nature to you is the sin. But you must be born again to combat that nature. And if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, then you are saved. But it's time to get about your father's business. It's time. New Year, it's time. Some of you know it's time for you to start doing something. Some of you know it's time for you to give your life to Christ. Stand with me now. There's a prayer that I want you to pray with me. That's up on the screen. And as we pray, I'm going to have these people walk out there in the house. And if you want to publicly acknowledge, do so. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus I, believe, I believe in my heart, in my heart that you are the, the Son of God, who he raised from the dead. From the dead I, confess, I, I confess you died for, I died for my sin. Please have mercy on me. Mercy. Forgive me. And come in my life and live within me this day. If you prayed that prayer. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.